0: Hello and welcome to Seminole RAP, a podcast about all things Florida State. It is the spectacular early signing period edition of Seminole RAP. Uh, Super excited. It's one of my favorite times of the year to talk about future Florida State uh, players, uh, commits from the high school ranks, and even a transfer this time around. I'll, I'll be joined by two of my favorite people, Tomahawk Nations, Joshua Pick and David Stout. We'll break down what Florida State brought in today and uh, look to see what they may end this uh, this class with come uh, February. We'll talk about all that and more on this week's Seminole rap. On Seminole
1: rap.
0: All right, guys, let's jump into Florida State's class. First, let me introduce Josh Pick from Tomahawk Nation. Josh, how are you doing, buddy? What's up, Tim? Doing well, man. Josh is a machine. I'm not really sure he's actually human. He writes articles and he does interviews constantly. Uh, so, definitely appreciate you, Josh. And uh, you may know him as Noel through and through. He is the owner of the recruiting thread on Tomahawk Nation. Uh, every time I try to post an update there, David has already beat me. He's constantly there. David, how are you doing, buddy? Hey, what's up, boys? Good day today. <laughs> David, I, I always enjoy your enthusiasm. You always are like, you're like the Dillingham, <laughs> the staff. I
2: would. I mean, I wish I was that young. That'd be great. So, are you, are you trying to say I'm the dower Adam Fuller? Is that
0: what, is that what you're going with? <laughs> I mean, if you want to put yourself in those uh, in, in that description, Josh, I I won't I won't disagree with you. Uh, just as long as you don't look at me like how Adam Fuller sometimes looks at people, because that stare is a little frightening. Well, when he looks at Perry, Perry asks him a bad question or something. <laughs> well, uh, Florida State ended the early signing period first day. Ranked 31 in the 24-7 composite ranking. I know a lot of fans probably aren't excited about that number. But uh, let me just jump in and get the initial thoughts from you guys. How are you feeling about this class? Josh, I'll start with your um, more even tone before we get to the hype man, David Stout. Uh,
2: well, I mean, I yeah, I just think fans too often get caught up in that number. And especially when you have to consider all the things going on at Florida State, I think I'm encouraged by the day, especially along the defensive line.
0: The, um, the one thing that stood out to me is I know we get so caught up in that number, but I, and I, I know this might be a little Homer-ish, but I do think some of Florida State's recruits are a little underranked. For instance, George Wilson, um, his composite rating is very low. And that's because rivals has him very low uh, ESPN and 24 seven, both have him as four stars. Um, and and a lot of that isn't necessarily these uh these sites fault. COVID just didn't allow these people to really get out and, and look at these kids. You look at somebody like Josh Farmer who just worked his butt off all off season. And I think he's probably higher, you know, maybe not a whole lot higher, but he's a lot but he is higher than his ranking. All right, David, bring it. How are you feeling about this class? Yeah, no, I'm I'm excited
1: about it. I, I think that's um yeah, you said it, man. I think for for a spoiled fan base as we are going through the Bowden years, where National Signing Day was like a total roller coaster of nothing but good news. And then going through the Jimbo Fisher period where FSU was just, you know, hitting on five stars right and left. Now I think that it's important to realize what went on behind the scenes to get to that number 31. And to be honest with you, I mean, I and you know, I'm trying not to to be hyperbolic in this, but you consider first year staff, a first year staff that really has not had but what like three maybe months where they could have brought students on campus, brought these you know prospects on campus for visits. They've had to go through a locker room with a horrible culture, um, and I think that they have have finally. Um, purge the roster of most of those those attitudes and and just guys who for whatever reason were not contributing to the positive culture of things I mean you consider all of the things that they've gone through you know not being able to get on the road and and create you know strong relationships with a lot of these high school coaches in Florida I mean it's it's really incredible to consider not only were they able to to be knocking on the door of the top 30 but as you said, they were the first schools to identify a lot of these kids. I mean, you know, we talk about the whole, the joke about free scouting university, and you got to give these guys a lot of credit because numerous players that have signed with FSU pretty much blew up with offers after that first one by FSU. And so it's really cool to consider all the, the tough things that this coaching staff has overcome just to get to that 31 number And what I think I am most impressed with is they got almost all of these guys to sign. And so now you, you've you got these guys in the bank, you only have one holdout who is waiting until February. So now you can really kind of pick and choose which high school prospects you really want to go all in on. And then you've got your numbers for the transfer portal. So I think we really got to see a lot of Mike Norvell's organizational skills and his strategy reflected
0: in this. And, and I'm all about it, man, I'm pretty impressed. Yeah, and I think before we really break down this class, I think it's important for us to kind of talk about the point that all three of us and several other people have brought up over these past probably six to eight months, Florida State was not going to take a full class. They were going to save somewhere between six to 10 spots for transfers. And as a result, not taking a full class, only having 16 commits right now, that means a lower ranking. So uh, some of that's just quantity alone. Um, driving this ranking down, so I think it's important that we make that note um, that it, yes, it's 31, but it's based off 16 kids.
2: Right, and, and you're saying, and you're saying, 16 kids. One of those kids is Mackenzie Milton, who, if he was getting a ranking right now, coming into a college team, can, assuming good health, he's
0: going to be a four star for his yeah, performance four-star. on
2: the fi- for his performance on the field. Right, and he's not Definitely. ranked at all.
0: And so, Josh, let's start there. Let's talk about the offensive players that are coming in. You brought up McKenzie Milton, transferred from UCF, had that devastating leg injury two years back. So he, I mean, the staff, credit the staff, they jumped in there. They were were relentless, and uh, they got Milton to jump on board. Josh, I think if we're going to talk about instant impact players for Florida State, we've got to start with Milton. What, uh, What do you think is the most important thing that he brings to this team?
2: Well, just listening to Coach Dillingham and and Coach Norvell over the past week and especially today, on ironically the the, the number one thing they brought up or the first the most important thing was culture, and they said Mackenzie Milton is going to create a beautiful culture in the locker room at Florida State, and and really can teach some of the younger guys, the like Jordan Travis, the Chuba Purdy, Tate Rodemaker, what it takes to be successful. They said he's got amazing intangibles, only going to make our young guys better, but then you talk about his on field play and a guy that really. Obviously, his faced Mike Norvell, when Norvell was at Memphis, really knows how to run that RPO offense
0: at a very high level. Right. I mean, honestly, probably the, the only concern is the injury and, and how, you know, how he performs coming from that. And can he get over those maybe jitters from that? David, um, I don't know how much UCF football you watched back in the day, but what's the one thing on the field that you're most excited about with Milton?
1: I would say, you know, he, from what I could tell, and I I do, I have a, one of my cousins went to UCF and played basketball there. So he's always in my ear about UCF and all that stuff. And
2: sorry, sorry um, about
1: that, David. I know I it's, it's difficult, but um, what I see of him is, is he has that, you know, you see some of these quarterbacks and you hear the term tossed around like an on-field coach, like they're a coach on the field. And what I saw from Milton that I really, really like is he's always talking to guys. Like even after a play, after a great play, he's up and he's talking to the wide receiver. You can tell that they're talking about how the route went, how the communication is going, what they could have done differently. His communication on the field is just really, really cool. And it's, you know, people know him for, you know, he's such a dynamic athlete and he can tuck it and run, he can throw it on a rope, whatever you need him to do. And I guess, you know, we'll see if that, if that athleticism is still here with him. But um, to me, it's those it's those little things. It's it's about talking with the younger guys, talking with his top targets, talking to his offensive linemen afterwards. What did you see? You know, was there a stunt that you didn't anticipate? How can we kind of go? I, I don't know. It's it's really cool. And it's it's one of the reasons why I think that um, something that that we really need to keep an eye on here is is obviously, you know, we hope that. McKenzie Milton gets drafted and goes to the NFL, right? Because that means he's back to his form. That means that he did very well at FSU, Um, means he's fully healthy, you know, all the above. But after that, you know, it's – I think Mackenzie Milton has future football coach written all over him. I mean, it, you just watch him and you see the leadership, you, you see the football knowledge. And I think this could be really, really helpful in terms of, you know, maybe he creates a really good relationship with Mike Norvell, maybe in a couple years he comes back and he's a graduate assistant head coach working with the quarterbacks. Um, and I can tell you, right now, just, just by the way people rally around him and what he brings to the locker room. I mean, this dude, if he becomes a head coach, he's going to be an awesome recruiter of quarterbacks. There's no doubt in my mind. Um, and so that's, that's a cool thing that I think we could also look a few, few years down the road. Like I said, hopefully he, you know, makes it the NFL does a lot of great things there, but if not, I think you may see him on the FSU sideline later on.
0: That's a great point. You know, I, I, um, I hadn't really thought about that, but he definitely fits that that um that mold of of players or players that just demand attention on the field, and and their coach on there. Um, one thing that I wanted to kind of bring up, um, our our former our former founder Bud Elliott brought up on a previous podcast that the one thing that stood about stood out about McKenzie Milton was how quickly he got the ball out, and I think if we look at Norvell and his offense, and if we look at what was really lacking this season was a quarterback that could deliver the ball quickly and on time I mean and that just destroyed Florida State defenses this year for quarterbacks like that that could get the ball out uh, quickly you think about I mean Jeff Sims in game one as frustrating as it was could get the ball out quickly and now you've got somebody that's coming in and I think that just gives a whole new layer to Norvell's offense that we didn't have this year Quickly, And you're you're absolutely
1: right, man, because then not only is he doing that in games, but then the defense is able to practice against somebody who's really good at it. Great point. That's
0: a a great point. I was going to say quickly and accurately. Yes. (laughs) Things that have been struggles uh, all season for Florida State. All right, let's jump into the top rated offensive commit from the high school ranks. It's Rod Orr, offensive tackle from Gadsden City, Alabama. 6'7", close to 300 pounds. Uh our, our good friend Rob uh jumped on here with uh earlier in the year to really break down his his tape. Uh talked about how he's a high waisted player that can just is just a large, massive man. And they've mentioned that he's developmental, but he's somebody that uh that that once they get in the program and Atkins really gets his hands on, I think is the words they use. Uh they're gonna really make a monster out of this guy. David, what's your initial thoughts on Rod Orr? And uh, obviously not an instant impact, but uh, your excitement there.
1: Yeah, he. this is a big recruiting one for FSU. Um, for a long time, we thought that Orr was one of those guys who was just kind of waiting on one offer, and that one offer was Auburn. And that offer never really came, but even if it had come, I think FSU did a great job with him, but they could have held on. They could have held off Auburn for him. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm very excited about him. He's got all of the measurables. He's got the body type. He's got the, the, just the nasty demeanor that you want in a future offensive tackle. And um, I'm really excited to, to, you know, we, we don't talk that much about Josh storms, right? Like we, we all talk about Norvell and, and Dillingham and Fuller and all that, but for some reason we don't talk about Josh storms anymore. And, um, it's going to be really interesting to see how quickly he can transform some of these guys. Um, I think his results in the past kind of speak for themselves. He really knows what he's doing. Um, and yeah, or, or is the kind of guy that you hope he doesn't get pressed into service too soon. Um, I would worry a little bit about that because I do think he needs at least one year in the strength and conditioning program to really kind of turn around his body type and, and reshape things. But um, after that, man, I, I think he's got NFL potential. I really do. And it's going to be interesting to see where they start him along the line. Obviously, it's going to depend on what other personnel you have. But, you know, do they start him off at right tackle to get his feet under him? Or do they just go ahead and put him at left tackle? It's going to be interesting to see. Well,
2: I thought it was interesting today when, when Dilly was talking about him. He One of the first things he mentioned was left tackle. So, But he also mentioned developmental. So it's making me think, okay, he's eventually our left tackle, but we don't want to put him there right away. As you mentioned, just to put him in a situation where he's set up to fail. Exactly.
0: Um, I mean, also, you
2: know, they also mentioned last year they got Robert Scott, and you know, last that was a that was a February signing, and then he started most of the year for Florida State this year at right tackle, and and just a similar work ethic and hunger, and a guy that really can improve under the tutelage of Alex Atkins. And
0: that's a great point. I mean, nobody really thought Robert Scott was going to see a lot of action this year. And here he is. I think he started, what, four of the last five games, something like that, and did a decent job at it. Um, Josh, I I want to go to you about this next guy, because I know somebody that you're a fan of, because he's probably been the number one uh, recruiter of the players. It's Josh Burrell from Blythewood, South Carolina, wide receiver, uh, three-star, 6'2", 215. Uh, Josh, what do you like about him? Uh,
2: everything. Yeah. I mean that, you know, obviously the first name is the first thing we got to start with. He's got a great first right. name, but, uh, the coach Dillingham strong hands and a strong one with the ball, just a guy that really goes up. That's the first thing I noticed in his tape. You watch him, his hands are massive. And he just like, it's like he, he gets that ball and he just squeezes the crap out of it. He's unbelievable. Also athletic once he gets the ball. And, and I just think, He's one of those guys that's going to be dependable. He's so excited to get on campus. He's going to devour that playbook. He's going to do the right things. He's going to be in the classroom. He's going to have good grades. He's going to be all about Coach Storm's program. He, this is a guy that has an unbelievable work ethic and, and, and a fire in his belly. I think this guy is going to be a very dependable player. And, and he might not blow you away, but he's just going to do all the little things.
0: David, I know uh, wide receiver is your specialty here. Uh, what are your thoughts? Yeah,
1: no, Josh and I both love this kid. And I think that he people are sleeping on him. He's underrated. If you know, if I were ranking him, I would really consider giving him a four star rating because I think Josh hit the nail on the head when you say dependability. I mean, I think, you know, he's he's a big kid. He's thick. So he's going to be able to go across the middle and absorb hits um i could see him becoming just an incredibly dependable almost a safety blanket for a quarterback you know he's going to run the right route you know he's going to be in the spot where he needs to be and you know that you can throw it up and he's going to he's going to fight with everything he's got to contest and get that football um and i know that josh has been able to have a lot of conversations with him via social media and stuff and i mean everything from from what we've seen from him just exudes that he's a big lead by example guy. And so he's also somebody who, you know, it wouldn't surprise me if he's the first one in the gym and the last one to leave kind of a guy. So um, I'm excited about him, man. I I know that people see the names like Dustin Hill and Malik McLean and, and all the other kind of sexier names or whatever, but Josh Perel is going to be one of those guys that, you know, Dillingham and, and Norvell are just going to love because he's going to be there. He's going to be dependable.
2: And isn't that the one thing we've
1: been lacking in the wide receiver room at Florida State is dependability? Oh, God. It has driven me nuts. That unit, uh, you talk about needing to completely overhaul a position room. I mean, they need to overhaul the skill set. They need to overhaul the body type. They need to overhaul the leadership. I mean, what you name it, they need to overhaul that. And Josh Burrell, I mean, you could do a hell of a lot worse than him in all of those areas. It's funny.
0: You, you would kill for a Kenny Shaw right about now. Oh but if, yes, absolutely. But you, just, you can just count on to catch the ball. Yeah, All we'll right.
1: we'll see how uh, we'll see how raw Josh Burrell is. We'll
0: see. <laughs> All right, next we're going back to the offensive line. We have Bryson Estes from Eagles Landing Christian in Georgia. Offensive center has the ability to play anywhere on the line, 6'3, 290. Kid is a road grader, wants to smash everybody he lines up against. Uh David. Let's talk about Bryson Estes um, and what you see as his future. So he is the forgotten about offensive lineman, um, and he
1: shouldn't be. He had, like you said, he has the disposition of a pissed off Copperhead snake, and <laughs> he has really, really good football IQ. Like you talk about that, and I think that they're, I think he's eventually going to be counted on to play center. Um, and I'm sure that they will cross train him at both guard positions and all that stuff too. But I mean, he's, he's got the necessary football IQ to be able to call out the, the defensive schemes, call out blitzes. He's going to be a quarterback's best friend. And um, you know, back when we had Jake slaughter committed and uh, Bryson Estes was committed, we started hearing about, Oh, you know, slaughter may flip and people started freaking out. And I think Josh and I both were telling them like, if there's going to be a flip, you want it to be slaughtered. You do not want it to be Estes. Um, And so I'm excited, man. He's another one. I think that um, again, it just raises your floor, if nothing else, but I could see him becoming like easily a, a two year starter, you know, with that third year really starting to get reps in the rotation.
0: Josh, I I know you've done a a lot looking into Estes and like, like David said, you were one of the ones really trying to tell everybody look, Estes is, is worth it. And he's, He's the better of the two. Um, Is there something about Sts in his film that really stands out to you?
2: Well, it was funny today, just kind of listening to the coaches talk about him. And one of the one of the phrases that came up was a powerful mover of men, and that just kind of cracked cracked me up. But a guy that his feet never stop; he's just all over the place. Knows the game. He's a he's a big kid already. He works his butt off, but you know he can get out in space and 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 get onto the, some of those linebackers and DBs and wear them out in the screen game or whatever. It's kind of, to me, it's just kind of a Jack of all trades. Somebody that can kind of do it all. And, you know, we talked about center obviously, but I think he could play guard and if in a pinch, you, you could throw him at right tackle. And I don't think he's going to be terrible there.
0: You know, I, I know we probably don't like this comparison because of how it went down. And obviously he's not, he's not five star talent, but some of the stuff he does reminds me a little bit of Landon Dickerson, former Florida state player, Alabama center, uh, destroyer of men uh, i think he's kind of got that same attitude on the field where if he's got a chance to pancake somebody and lay him out he's going to pancake him and knock him down and and find joy and pleasure in doing that to the opponent all right so jumping next uh, i know david this is somebody you were excited about phil probably the un- most underrated player in the class it's gotta be jackson in. west there you go <laughs> josh knew it jackson west tied in out of huntsville alabama Three star, 230 pounds. Josh, what do you love about this kid? I mean, sorry, David. Let me. Go I was going to say
2: you're not going to you're not going to let me talk over David about his guy sorry, Jackson I West. The
0: gun, David. What do you love
1: about this kid? So I I wouldn't be surprised if uh, Coach Ab somehow found a way in here to, to take because he <laughs> he is obsessed with Jackson West. Um, but no, Jackson West, uh, he is underrated. He. He's kind of your Swiss army knife that can line up at tight end. He can line up in the backfield as an H-back. I mean, if, if, you know, if they start getting creative with lineups, I think you could even maybe motion him out to the slot and have him run routes across the middle. Um, but again, you talk about, you're, you're going to, you know, those of you who are listening, you're going to hear us talk a lot about hard workers, great character guys. Um, you know, Jackson West, I've, I've had the opportunity to talk with his father some and not only can you tell he comes from great stock, but he's a really high character guy who, again, is going to be a leader in the drills, a leader in the workouts. He's going to be somebody who may not lead vocally right off the bat, but he's going to be the one that coaches are telling other guys, like, look how hard Jackson's over there working. Like, you need to work like Jackson. Um, He's one, you know, when you talk about instant impact, I definitely am going to have my eye on him because we know that Norvell and Dillingham want to do a lot of multiple tight end sets and um you know we didn't unfortunately we didn't really get to see much of that this year due to injuries and things like that but next year the tight end group is going to be absolutely loaded and I think there's a good chance we're going to see all of them you know we're going to see Kobe Gross we're going to see Jackson West we'll have um um oh the guy's name forgets me UCLA UCLA transfer Jordan Wilson Jordan Wilson thank you we'll see him come back um And big Cam Cam McDonald. Yeah. And then then, you know, out of all that, you have Cam McDonald, who really, really kind of blossomed this year into into a promising back. So, I mean, it's going to be really interesting to see how these guys shift and move. But I think that West is really the one I think kind of the only one maybe who you're going to be able to line up in the backfield if you need to as a blocker, as a guy running in a flat. Whatever the case may be, but he's—I just look at him; he's a jackknife, and um, he's somebody that that uh, Dillingham is going to have a lot of fun throwing out in the lineups and creating mismatches with him.
0: Josh, before you jump into Jackson West, let me kind of combine something here. Kobe Gross, also a tight end from the JUCO ranks, three star. I mean, Dillingham and Norvell have basically rebuilt the tight end room in less than a year by bringing in these two players combining with what they have what i mean what should we expect from the tight end spot and and, you know specifically these two players
2: yeah i mean i'm I'm excited about the tight end room last last year we were doing state of recruiting tight ends and it was like uh uh-oh like this this room really 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 needs to be overhauled but you talk about cam mcdonald and his improvement you talk about jordan wilson if he can come back healthy he gives you that inline blocker that they really missed this year but you got a freshman walk on in Preston Daniel, who I think surprised a lot of people this year because nothing at all was expected out of him. And he's, he's played quite a bit for somebody who we didn't know anything about coming into the season. And then you bring in these two guys and talking with coach Thompson and the film that he's seen on Kobe gross that I don't think was publicly available. He's like, you know what? Like there's a reason we're taking this kid. He's, he's dang good. And he's a big body. He's not scared to mix it up, but he can also, he's lost some weight. He looks a lot better and he's, He's able to get down the field and, and, and make some plays on the ball. Uh, I think his ball skills are extremely underrated. This is a kid that's a playmaker, but going back to Jackson West, it was funny today, uh, Coach Dillingham saying, Jackson West has texted me saying, Coach, you know, I've been watching your games online I've seen what you guys are doing. I'm going out in the backyard and practicing what you guys are doing in the playbook and kind of just that, that mindset we've been talking about. These guys really love football and they, they want to get after it and they want to get after it early in Tallahassee
0: and i don't know if you all saw this josh i guess you did since you're talking about the interview with mcfadden earlier uh they showed kobe gross's film uh and a lot of it it looks like it's kind of almost seven on seven you know for somebody that comes in at six three two thirty and i think he's lost some of that weight he is surprisingly quick for a man his size very nimble yeah uh and, and displayed some great catches and uh i really think you know, which Norvell loves to do, I think the tight ends are going to make a huge impact next year. Yeah, I agree. Right. So let's jump to the defensive side of the ball. We'll again, go from the top rated down. Uh, First up, let's talk about four-star cornerback from Katie, Texas, Uh, Hunter Washington. He's a little short. Uh, That's what most people would want to point out and knock on him. But uh, I think he's going to be, he's going to be a dog out there. He's 5'11", he's 175, and he is a ball hawk. Uh, David, I know you've watched some of his film. You have some thoughts on him. Uh, Hunter Washington, somebody that I think could see the field next year for Florida State.
1: No, I agree with you, Tim. He He's going to find his way in the rotation. And, um, again, the first word that – I know I sound like a broken record here, but the first word that comes to mind with him is leadership. I mean, he just – when you read his interviews and you, you read his statements and things like that, like this dude has – Really good character. And he proved that because now we're starting to learn. You know, we knew that other schools were trying to flip him from FSU, but now we're starting to learn that apparently Clemson put the full court press on him over the last few days because they really need some corners. They identified him as a kid they thought they could flip. And boy, were they wrong. I mean, he didn't even give them the time of day, basically, and said, you know, I made a commitment. I'm honoring that commitment. I'm 100% null. And um, it's really cool because he he has been one of the ones, including like, uh, you know, Kobe Gross and Josh Burrell, who's really been outspoken on the recruiting trail. Um, And I think he he again, he's going to be a leader of men like he's somebody who you just naturally gravitate to. And that's all off the field. Then when you look at him on the field, I love his instincts. He has great instincts. And you can tell that he's actually been coached up pretty well as far as the technical parts of the game. He flips his hips really well. He's got great footwork for a defensive back. He times his jumps really well. And he's got pretty good form tackling down too. So no, I'm with you, man. I I think he's definitely going to, out of all the defensive backs we're bringing in, I think he's the one that's going to see time the quickest
0: josh david talked about how um how hunter washington it, it was one of the guys that was the biggest recruiters off the field on social media i know you got to see that a lot when you were reaching out um some, some of your thoughts on hunter washington
2: yeah he's spot on with that and and, and no offense to some of those other guys but hunter washington some one you know playing in houston at a big school like katie and and being a blue chip prospect he's probably built up better relationships with some of the big big name players and not just twenty-one kids, twenty-two kids, and twenty-three kids as well. So, he, he's—it's a big, big get getting Hunter Washington holding off Clemson for him. Uh, as David mentioned, the coaches really like his knowledge of the game. They think he takes really good angles, you know, great technique, um, a playmaker. Uh, this is a situation where Marcus Woodson, the defensive backs coach, had built a relationship from his time at Auburn, and and really helped land Hunter Washington, which is it, you know landing a kid. Texas who's never visited Florida state and Clemson's going all in for him. That's pretty impressive stuff there from uh, coach Woodson. Uh, and, and Adam Fuller said, he thinks that Hunter will start out at cornerback, but he's this kid that could play safety as well if they need him
1: to. Yeah. And to, to expand on something Josh said too, um, being that he's from Katy in Texas and and Josh is exactly right. He is in the ear of some of these 22, 23 kids. And we know that the coaching staff wants to have a presence in Texas just to utilize, you know, Norvell and Dillingham's connections in that state. They're not going to go all in on Texas, but they're going to go after some top guys in there with, with some of the in-state schools being down and, and all that. And I can guarantee you that every single kid in the 22 23 class from Texas they bring in for an official visit,
0: they're going to be, they're going to have Hunter Washington as their host. Uh, it, it's he's just one of those players that, like you said, is a leader, and I think is really going to shine, and on the field and off the field, and, and definitely be somebody that attracts other players. I think he was the one that he implied that or, or stated that he was talking to George Wilson about committing. He says there's another guy out there. We wonder if it's Destin Hill or somebody like that. So it'll be interesting to see who else Hunter who else Hunter Washington brings in. Uh, Josh, I want to go to you about the next player. Sean Bray Jackson, uh, listed as a defensive end, 6'2, 230. I think uh, I think we got updated numbers that he's closer to 250. 6'4, uh, 250, of, yeah. Yeah. Out of Orlando at Boone. Um, Josh, is he gonna stay at defensive end or is he gonna move into defensive tackle? What do you see there?
2: No, I think this I think he's moving inside a defensive tackle. And I and I think this is a smart move for the staff because that's a kid where all of a sudden, you move him inside to tackle, yeah, he'll have to put on a little bit of weight, but he's going to be a freak athlete on the inside. And There's not going to be too many interior guys that are going to want to deal with him because he's just going to be so quick and so athletic. Um, he's a violent player, and I think he's a kid that you may just see him on third down situationally early at Florida State,
0: but he'll he'll make an impact early, I think, in Tallahassee. I'll, I'll never forget. It was almost there at the start of the high school season. I think it was a punt block he took back, like, 45, 50 yards, and he was outrunning almost everybody on the field at that size. He's just an amazing athlete for such a giant man. Um, Up next, another cornerback, Omarion Cooper, goes by Duke. Uh, Florida State was able to hold off Michigan, and Michigan was rumored to be the leader for some time, even though he was committed to Florida State. Um, David, I think you and I talked about Cooper way back when, when we did State of the Recruiting, looking at cornerbacks. Uh, Somebody that that Florida State was able to get out of Lehigh, senior, six foot one seventy, four star. Uh, What's your thoughts, Dave? Yeah, this was this was big for FSU to be
1: able to hold on to him, and um, you know this is also something where FSU wants to have a presence in Lehigh, and I think some of the people around Amarian just kind of talked to him and said, you know, hey, we know you like Michigan, but things are very very uncertain there. Don Brown was his big. You know, his big interest at Michigan, but like you got a really good thing going to Florida State. And so don't don't let the the 3000 foot view take you away from what's right in front of your face. And, um, you know, he's one I don't I don't really understand why a couple of the other services dropped him to a three star. He's a four star. He's he's definitely a low four star in my book. Um, he can stick to guys like glue. He's a little bit skinny. They're going to, they're going to have to kind of work on kind of reframing his body and, and getting some upper body strength on there. But he's, he's glue on kids. And he's one that I'm, I'm really excited about because I mean, he's just one of those, he could be another one of those guys who's just pesky, right? Like, I don't know that he's going to necessarily rack up a ton of interceptions. I don't know that he's going to be forcing fumbles but he could very well lead the team in, you know, passes blocked. So it's, or passes broken up. So it's going to be really interesting to see where he fits. Um, I don't know, man. I could see him at corner. I could see him at safety. I think it may dictate based on numbers, Um, but I'm sure they'll cross train a lot of these guys, like I said earlier, but he's one who I'm excited about. I think this was a big victory uh, for them kind of keeping him away from
0: Michigan. Josh, anything additional you want to add there on Cooper?
2: Well, he plays, he plays for a former Florida State guy in, in James Chaney, and that's something that Coach Fuller mentioned is, you know, having their relationship with some of the former seminal coaches and those guys wanting to help bring Florida State back, and I think that was a big thing there. Um, he mentioned he really loves Amarian's footwork. Uh, he mentioned one, good length, and a really good tackler. So that's nice to have a corner, but as, as you mentioned, he could play safety as well, and having a great tackler at safety is a, it's a very big
0: plus. All right, we're getting into three players I am most excited about um, after watching some of their film. And also, this is an area that Florida State has struggled with, uh, especially the last two years. It's the defensive ends uh, slash outside linebackers. First off, we have Patrick Payton out of Northwestern in Miami, Florida, former Nebraska commit, decommitted. And then I think a week later, a week or two later, committed to Florida Florida State, 6'5", 205. He's, he's, He's pretty skinny. Uh, but the kid is an athlete. He's fast. He's quick. Uh, great length. Great first step. Um, I think if he puts some weight on, he's definitely somebody that could uh, see the field, especially in third down spots. But uh, Josh, I'll start with you on Patrick Payton.
2: Yeah, I think the guy that they kind of mold him after is the you know, look at Brian Burns. I know Patrick Payton likes Brian Burns and looks up to his game a lot. And you know, obviously, Brian Burns had to learn to put on some weight and play the run as well, but Patrick Payton's a guy that's gonna be able to get after it immediately. Uh length and athleticism are a couple of things that stand out there. And the coaches mentioned similar to Rod Orr, a guy that really, really took a major leap from his junior season, his tape to his senior season. And just a guy that every time he was on the field, he was
0: impacting the game. Yeah, David, tell me what you're excited about. I know uh get hyped, because I'm kind of hyped about Patrick Payton. <laughs>
1: Well, it's nice. Right. I mean, we've seen Nebraska steal a couple of prospects away from FSU or some of the Florida teams in past cycles. So it's nice to kind of stick it to him this year. And um, what a commitment to stick it to him with. I mean, Patrick Payton, yeah, he's he's one that I hope that he's not going to be pressed into service too soon because he really does. need. I mean, I, I think you need to shoot a, you know, set up a goal for him to add probably 25 pounds in his first year to get up to a suitable playing weight and be able to still keep that agility. But I mean, he's got huge hands and long arms. He's a legitimate six foot five. They're not, you know, they're not overestimating on that. And when he gets those big paws up in the air, man, it's it's just like a whirling nightmare dervish coming at you. Um, but no, I think, you know, Brian Burns is, is kind of what people are throwing around with him. And As far as ceilings go, I think he might have the highest ceiling out of all of the kids who signed today. Um, He's a kid who, you know... Maybe like you know, like Josh said, maybe for the first couple of years he's a contributor. But once he learns how to play with more weight and develops some real pass rushing moves, I mean he he could just blow up similar to how Brian Burns did. And we all know the Burns went in the first round of the draft. So I think that in terms of ceiling, he's the highest ceiling out of all the kids they signed today.
0: That's a strong take. That's a strong take. I like it. David, I'm I'm gonna come up with a strong take right back at you because I'm gonna disagree because I think this next guy has the highest, highest ceiling. Uh, it's George Wilson defensive end <laughs> out of Green Run High School, Virginia Beach, Virginia, uh, former South Carolina commit decommitted when must champ was fired uh, and Florida state was able to hold off Auburn. And uh, we kind of, the, the smoke started to come out a few days ago. Um, several other sites started to report it. We started hearing it as well. Um, I, I, Quickly threw together uh, an article last night because he changed his his uh, recruit date and and I started watching some of his video and I thought Peyton had a first a quick first step to me Wilson has the best first step of anybody on on in this class for Florida State and he's somebody that I think is just going to wreck backfields um, for Florida State over the next few years. Josh, you're right.
1: He is he is absolutely filthy. And the thing that I don't know that many people know this about him, um, he's also a legitimate basketball player to the point where uh, I think a couple mid majors offered him uh, basketball scholarships um and so he is he's that quintessential basketball player football but the thing that comes to mind with him is he is a finisher like he's not a guy who wraps somebody up and then misses the tackle like he's gonna come with violent bad intentions and he's gonna put your butt in the dirt like he's he, he's the guy that you know, if you see the the nightmare, terrifying, whirling dervish Pat Payton on one side with those huge arms coming up, then all of a sudden you turn around and you've got this enormous missile coming at you. That's going to be George Wilson. So, I mean, yeah, it's it, I can't overstate this enough. What this staff has done with defensive end recruiting in the last few weeks is phenomenal.
2: Yeah, that was definitely that was definitely a priority for the staff and I think they totally flipped that room. And it's it's interesting you mentioned two sports star because it just seems like Mike Norvell and this entire staff, they're just looking for guys that don't just specialize in football, but these are guys that play different sports and have all the muscles trained and it just it, it makes these guys I don't know, they just when you play two sports in high school, I think they're a lot more
0: impressive at the next level playing football or whatever. And and Wilson is a kid I think that is criminally underrated. Uh He's only a, a composite three star. He's not listed as a four star on on Rivals. I mentioned earlier. Um I, Out of everybody that I watched this year, the, the floors that I shot with, I thought he had some of the best film as far as quickness and speed. And so I, I'm I'm real excited for him. Uh But David, you mentioned violence, and this next guy is somebody that the coaching staff is think is thinks is very violent as well and they're super excited he's out of saint augustine in new orleans now louisiana he's he's defensive in byron turner 6364 about 235 he already has the size that you're looking for um let me start with you josh because I've, I've really hit dave up there hard josh a violent impact uh what? from byron turner
2: that's what i thought was ironic he was talking about george wilson trying to put players in the ground and that's like literally word for word what coach fuller said about byron Turner today. <laughs> he tries to put offensive players in the ground it was just violent and aggressive were a couple words he used and and it was interesting he said true defensive end and once again as we as we mentioned coach yak did an awesome job there killing it in louisiana we you know got to give a shout out to our guy murphy jones with the graphic last weekend delivering the boot and so good just all you know this staff getting after louisiana and you know, last you had Corey Wren and Jakai Douglas and Sidney Williams in the last class. And you're getting a kid like Byron Turner here and maybe a Destin Hill. You know, it's it, there's a lot of talent in Louisiana. And if Florida State can get in there, watch out.
0: All right. So next we'll go with cornerback Kevin Knowles out of uh, MacArthur uh, High, Hollywood, Florida, 5'10, 168. Um, I think this was somebody, Dave, that you and I also talked about in the State of Recruiting article earlier in the year as somebody to keep an eye on it. And as soon as he got that Florida state offer, he seemed like he jumped at the opportunity to jump on board.
1: Yeah. He, he is also skinny as a rail. Um, (laughs) but, uh, again, not, not somebody that I think you want out there right away. But, um, what I like about him is in high school, he played both corner and safety. Um, and he, sometimes he did it in the same game. Um, and so He's not going to be the fastest guy. He's not going to be the biggest, you know, hitter, anything like that. But I do think that he's going to adjust pretty quickly to the college game because of being able to to play, you know, at a school, you know, in Hollywood, Florida, at MacArthur High School. He's playing against great competition. Um, He's got he's got a pretty good vertical. Um, But when you watch his film. He's got really good instincts, not just about where the ball placement is going to go on throws, but, like, you can't fool him on screens. He's really good at shedding blocks on screens. It's just, I don't know, he has, like, the sixth sense if they try to run a screen against him, he's going to sniff it out. Um, He's somebody who I think is, is very, very comfortable being on an island. He has a good swagger about him, good confidence. Um, but like I said, he he is just skinny as a rail. And so he's going to be a guy they need to bulk up. Um, but I think that he's he's going to adjust fairly quickly to things. I think he's going to learn the playbook pretty quickly, and he's going to be a fun gadget player for them.
0: Josh, uh, l- let me start with you with this next one, uh, because, again, it's somebody who has the first name as you. It's Josh Farmer, uh, defensive end from Gadsden County first commit for uh 2021 to mike norvell and co um this kid has just busted his butt constantly on social media uh, another kid i think that's underrated and another kid that also could slide in the defensive tackle josh what's your take on farmer
2: yeah i'll get to farmer in just a second but let me just finish up on Knowles. i think that's sure. a guy that is going to be a nickel corner at florida state and and i love what coach Fuller had to say about him he's everything we're looking for to seminal and so you love to hear a coach already saying that about a high school kid. Uh, yeah, as you mentioned, Josh Farmer, first recruit, and he he, you know, kind of varied. And you know, his his buddy Jackson from his high school, they wanted to play together more than anything. Kind of not brothers by blood, but essentially brothers. And Jackson ended up at Maryland, and he was hoping for that Florida State offer it never came. But fortunately, Josh Farmer stuck with Mike Norvell in Florida State, and just an extremely hard worker. You see in his his Twitter, you know, videos. This kid is getting after it all the time, and I think he's a kid that if if you had had a full season, if you had had camps, he he would definitely have been threatening for a four star. Yeah, I think he's probably a kid that is going to put on some weight and move inside. That's what Florida State sees his future. But uh an extremely hard worker, got good length, got a got a good frame that can put on some weight, and I think he'll do well at Florida State just because he has that incredible.
0: So these yeah, next, I, I have to agree, man. I think
1: I think if you're giving out an award for the, and we've talked a lot of these guys are hard workers, but I think if you're giving out an award for the hardest worker, at least from what we're seeing on social media and all that stuff, it's got to be Josh Farmer.
0: Definitely, I, I know uh, David. You and I like to talk about Lamont Green uh, boots coming up Ugh. in a few years, <laughs> and the stuff that his dad puts him through uh, on those, those Twitter workouts that are just insane. I would say that Josh Farmer's not too far behind in some of the workouts that he did. I mean, that kid reshaped himself uh, in about a year's time. Yep, he's a beast. All right, these last two guys kind of fall into similar categories in that uh, they have the ability to either be in the secondary or at linebacker spots. Uh, first, Jordan Eubanks out of Guyer uh, High School, Denton, Texas, three-star. And then also Shaheen Brown from Columbia, Lake City, Florida, three-star. Guys that uh, are are not necessarily similar in size. I mean, they're close in height, but they're not really built the same. I would say Shaheen is more compact. Jordan's a little bit longer. But they're both players that have that ability uh, that probably in high school, are, they're playing out of position because of need. But guys that um, have that versatility, this coaching staff just really seems to To gravitate to Josh. I don't know your two, your thoughts on both these players.
2: Yeah. I mean, I think they're probably both guys that, as you said, they play safety in high school because they're so athletic and that's where they're needed. But as they move up and you can put them at linebacker, then you just get an athletic advantage of that linebacker position. That's something that Florida state has sorely lacked for years now. And, and I think Jordan Eubanks is a guy they, they notified early. They had some relationships down there in Texas and they think he's a lot better than his, his recruiting ranking. and, a guy that's a natural tackler and, and really plays well in space. And with Shy Brown, it was kind of like, okay, Brian Allen. And I, I kind of noticed it when Brian, Brian Allen tweeted out, hey, this Shaheen Brown is a kid that could have played with us at Florida State when I was there in the 90s. And all of a sudden the coaches noticed, the coaches were all over him. And I was like, this kid's about to get an offer. And sure enough, and and just a kid that kind of makes plays all over the field, be it at corner, safety, linebacker, up at kind of defensive end, rushing rushing the quarterback, playing special teams, and that kind of is a jack-of-all-trades on the defensive side of the ball. And I think a situation where if you can get him at linebacker, then you can use his athleticism as a big advantage.
0: David, I would say something that Florida State has lacked, kind of like Josh said, is, is linebackers that can not be a liability in coverage. And I think these guys are, are two players that can help solve that problem.
1: Yeah, I, th- I think Josh is exactly right. And I think you're right, Tim. I, you know, some of the linebackers they have right now would have been awesome, awesome linebackers in the early 2000s, right? Like they're built like Mack trucks. They shoot through the middle. They just knock the crap out of a running back, whatever. But then you see him in coverage and you're like, oh, my God, he looks like a defensive tackle trying to cover somebody. And, you know, it's You know, when you look at guys like Shy Brown, you look at Jordan Eubanks, um, you know, you look at, at, I would even put Byron Turner in there, it just shows like how good this staff is at identifying talent, identifying it early. And then and showing the commitment, you know, I'm you know, giving them an offer and just saying, you know, we don't we're not just saying these pretty words to you, like we want you to be part of our team, and it's really working out. And yeah, with Jordan Eubanks and with Shaheen Brown, it's easy to forget about both of them. Um, but I, I think you're right. I think athleticism is the name of the game with both of those two. They can both run like the wind, they have good instincts. They're both of them have played uh outside linebacker, and so. I want to say um, I think it's Shy Brown who was also on the four-by team in track and um, made state with that. But uh, no, I'm excited to see this. I think, you know, they may be a little undersized. I think Shy Brown is is pushing six foot one. Um, I think Jordan Eubanks is a hair taller, maybe like six foot two, but, um, but that's okay because they can cover, they can run. Um, and I'm excited to see that. That'll be nice to see that transformation. You know, Florida state has some good linebackers on their team, in the run game, but then in the past game, that's been a point of exposure all season. And so hopefully, you know, when we finally have enough tight ends to run the kind of offense that they want to run, these guys are going to get good reps against multiple tight ends who can run like wide receivers and get some good reps so that when they're playing other teams that try to
0: expose those weaknesses, they don't fall for it. That's a really good point, David. All right. So, so that's Florida state's 2021 class. that has signed for the early signing period plus McKenzie Milton who transferred in, uh, taking Milton out of the picture. Uh, David, give me two players that will have the biggest impact on the 2021 season.
1: Oh man. So this is tough because a lot of these guys, you would love to see them be able to kind of, um, you know, marinate a little bit in, uh, the, the strength and conditioning program and not be pushed into service too quickly. But, um, so I'm going to go with, um, First one I think I'm going to say is Kobe Gross. I think that they have definitely identified him as an early impact player. Um, you know, you have one guy with a lot of experience in um, Cam McDonald, and then you have Preston Daniels, who I neglected to mention earlier. Thanks for bringing him up, Josh. He's he's an important player and somebody who could get a scholarship down the line. Um, and then you have Jordan coming back from an injury, and you're not quite sure what you're going to get with him. Um, And so I think they, they told Kobe like, Hey, we love your enthusiasm and you're going to need it because you're going to be playing early. Um, And so I'm excited to see him. And then I would say, I know that Josh and I are super biased, but I just, I think Josh Perel is going to find his way into the rotation. I really do because he's six foot two. He's, I think he's right around 215 pounds and it's not like, it's an athletic 215. There's not like baby weight that he needs to shed. And I think that he's going to be a guy maybe a little bit similar to um, to uh, Portier in the spring game. He's just going to show that he's really reliable. And I think, you know, with with someone like McKenzie Milton coming in, he's going to have to develop relationships with all these backs and all these receivers and tight ends. So everybody's going to kind of be on even ground there. And I think a Josh Burrell, like, and I, and correct me if I'm wrong, Josh. I think he's hoping to early enroll. Um, if you get that spring in there and you can really get a good connection going with McKenzie Milton, I think he's going to find his way into the rotation.
2: Yeah, he'll be in Tallahassee in January. So I, beautiful. I, I agree. I, Joshua Burrell is one one of my two, and I'll just make it short and sweet. And I think Hunter Washington's a kid that you're going to have a hard time keeping him off
0: the field early. And, and that's exciting to hear. I know uh, Mike Novell talked about Florida State being the youngest team in the nation, um, but I think you know, as, as Coach Yak said, if you come in here and you're the best player, you're going to start. And, and they're not going to promise that position to them, but they're they're giving these kids uh, the 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 outline that if you work your butt off, if you outperform, you'll get the time. And we saw that this year. We saw so many young kids get playing time. Um, Josh, let me ask you this. You're usually kind of plugged in here. The early signing period goes for a few more days. Uh, the coaches kind of hinted that there may be a couple other guys uh, over these next few days. Uh, any names you want to drop as possibility jumping into this class?
2: Yeah. I think the one name that Dave and I would say for, for certain to keep an eye out for is four star wide receiver Malik McLean. Um, you mentioned a couple more and I'm just off the top of my head, I honestly I can't couldn't tell you who that might be, but but we'll see. I, I I'll defer and see what David thinks.
1: Yeah, I agree. Um, there's a lot of whispers out there that a McLean FSU um, Die Hard reunion could be could be coming back uh, right around Christmas time, which is perfect. I see what um, you did there, Die Hard, yeah. right? Die Hard, but um, it's there seem to be some positive things because it seemed to be that. So you've got Malik McLean, and then you've got the, the Juco wide receiver, um, Quay Davis. And it seems like, from what we've heard, Ole Miss is going to get one, and Florida State's going to get one. And Ole Miss just happened to offer Quay Davis today, and they're kind of BSing and saying, oh, we've loved his game all along, blah, blah. I mean, he's an in-state kid. If they really wanted him that bad, they'd offered him a long time ago. So I think that's just Lane being Lane, trying to cover but. Um, I think that there's, there's definitely a chance that we could see Quay Davis go to Ole Miss and Malik McLean come back to Florida State, which would be a huge boost. Um, because McLean gets you somebody who's a legitimate six foot four, can run very, very fast. Like he's, he's definitely somebody who can stretch the field. So that would be awesome. Um, and then I'm trying to think of other names. I mean, you know, we were looking at some of the wide receivers out there. Chauncey Magwood was a name that came up a lot um, as far as FSU was still in contact with him on a daily basis. But he signed with Kentucky today. Um, Byron Young, the JUCO defensive end that Florida State had talked to, but it was it was really clear he wanted to be in the SEC. He signed with Tennessee today. Um, So there's. Outside of McLean, I guess the other name I would say would be Destin Hill. I was going to say, if they
2: convince one of those kids that was thinking about holding up until February to, to sign this week, then that you might have a second name there.
1: You're exactly right. And I, I do. I'm with you, Tim. I think that that is the name that Hunter Washington is alluding to. Um, and it, I guess, you know, from what we're hearing, uh, Hill has some advisors around him who are just tell him, you know, hey, you can take your time. If you want to take your time, we just want to make sure that you make the right choice. Da da, da. But that's not going to stop the coaches from being like, hey, we're the right choice. Like <laughs> sign with Florida State. Um, and so I have a feeling that you're going to see some prospects and some coaches working on him. Um, you know, they, they may work on chemo. I think chemo is going to go ahead and, you know, wait till February or whatever he wants to do. But I would that's say in you know, Hill.
2: Gotta get chemo off that SEC train.
1: Yeah, God, I know he's definitely feeling the feeling the SEC love on that. It's almost like he's just waiting for any SEC offer to come.
2: Well, and, and LSU's offered him. And I know he likes LSU a lot, and LSU had a really nice day. So who knows if they can get some of that positive momentum and, and pull him from Florida yep. State.
0: So one other name I'll throw out there. It's and uh, I'll go to the transfer portal on this one. Uh one of our one of our um, one guy we started to get in contact with seems like he's got some decent sources. It uh, says to keep an eye on uh Kansas receiver, Andrew Parchment. He's transferred from Kansas. Um, evidently has some pretty good skills Did not have a good quarterback there. Um, I know that's not early signing period name, but just another name to know uh, that, that could see some traction here over the next few days for Florida state. Yeah. So, that's a, that's
2: um, a name that I posted in our transfer, transfer reporter all on Tomahawk nation a couple of days ago. And, which Norvell has been been talking to and yeah, he's definitely a name to know there.
0: Yeah. And just let me take a second and plug both those articles. We have a transfer portal article. Josh really helps keep up with that one. And then we have the recruiting thread, which David and Josh are both very involved in. And so if we hear something, uh, you know, we don't want to keep it hidden. We try to post it out there. It'll be in those articles uh, as soon as we know about it. Um, Let me just ask you this. the position that you feel like was best addressed, and the position you feel like they they really didn't dress enough address uh, enough. David, let me start with you.
1: Yeah, so I think um, you know, obvious answer would be uh, defensive end. Just what they were able to do in the last couple weeks is just outstanding. And you know, some of these guys may you know you may see a Patrick Payton double as a rush end or an outside linebacker or an edge or whatever, but when you're looking at the defensive end, considering where it was about a month ago to where it is today, I mean, it, that is just an enormous, enormous improvement. Um, and then I would say, you know, the one that, that we're, we're wanting to keep an eye on that's also kind of puzzling to a lot of people is running back. Um, we know that the staff has a penchant for taking really speedy kind of athletic wide receivers and like a Ja'Kai Douglas, like a Corey Wren and putting them at running back. Um, And the one name to keep in mind is Katravian Hargrove, who is a running back in Louisiana, um, decided not to sign during the early signing period. Um, Had he signed during the early signing period, there's no doubt in my mind it would have been with FSU. Um, But we are expecting many more offers to come his way as teams kind of evaluate, you know, what they got during the early signing period. And then as more guys hit the portal. Um, So he may be pretty, pretty tough to pull in by the end of the day, but it's going to be really interesting to see what they do with running back because there aren't any wide receivers who signed today who you could say, oh, they're going to be
0: a running back. So that's one that I'm going to be keeping an eye on. And and Josh, let me get that same, the same thoughts from you on those positions.
2: Yeah. I mean, it's kind of a cop-out, I guess, but the defensive end is just unbelievable. And as you mentioned, like just in the last couple of weeks, adding a Patrick Payton and, and, and a wilson i mean that just totally overhauls that room and they're really looking for athleticism and they got that in spades and i guess linebacker is probably the biggest disappointment and, and losing out on that true middle linebacker and Brennan jennings when he flipped to michigan and then went to maryland
0: yeah what a wild recruitment that was it's unfortunate uh i know there were some advisors on the outside giving some opinions there josh Take us home. Uh, what what should fans expect from Florida State over the next few weeks, next few months as it heads into the, uh, the traditional signing period? Uh, I think we've really kind of already hit on all the names to know. Uh, but when it all really gets to the end, how many more high school recruits do you expect versus transfers?
2: Uh, definitely more transfers than high schoolers, in my opinion. Maybe three more high schoolers and then that would leave six transfers.
0: Yeah. So seven total with, with Milton. Yeah. Yeah. Which is kind of where I think we've uh, we've kind of put that number from the start there somewhere between six to nine, six to 10, somewhere in there. So um, as much as I don't want to give them credit, I feel like Miami has a great blueprint for how to really turn your team around. You start building that floor, and you bring in some instant impact players in the transfer portal, like you saw with Derek King and Jalen Phillips and uh, the other defensive end, whose name is escaping me right Roche, now. Yeah. yeah Roche. Um, I mean, those three players alone reshaped Miami and set them on a right path. And and the, the COVID conditions helped out some with their recruiting class as well, but for them to, you know, only lose two games and granted the last one was, was really bad, but still, um, it breathed some excitement into that program and really got their name out there on a national stage. Uh, David, I think you kind of feel probably the same way. Any different thoughts you have for Florida state as they're coming to the uh, traditional signing day? Yeah, just very similar. And
1: it's going to be really nice. Um, After Friday ends, we're going to, really be able to kind of project what positions they're going to go after, where they might try to find a high schooler, where they may try to find a JUCO, where they may try to find a a portal guy. Um, And it's, you know, if you're not following it already, um, there's a couple of Twitter accounts through the uh, recruiting services that, that focus on the portal. And there are really interesting names going in there literally every day. Um, Another What's that? Dozens of names Uh every day. Yeah, it's, it's unbelievable. And I think um, if you think that's a lot, just wait until next, next cycle, because with so many kids not being able to visit campuses and stuff, I think the transfer portal is going to be, un- it's just going to be ridiculous next cycle. But um, pretty interesting name came in today, uh, running back out of Auburn, Mark Anthony Richards, um, who obviously, you know, Kenny Dillingham knows a lot about him. He's from South Florida, um, supposedly grew up a pretty big FSU fan. And so you know, we don't know why a lot of these guys enter the portal. If it's to go back home, you know, get closer to home, try to find an offense that fits them better. You know, maybe they got in trouble. We don't know. But um, really monitor that portal because there are some very interesting names going in there. And so it's going to be fun to watch and see um, which guys FSU tries to prioritize to to bring in here and make an instant impact.
2: And just mm-hmm. just as a reminder to plug that transfer portal article that we've got constantly, that thread on and Nation we've constantly got, got going on there.
1: Yeah, big shout out to Joel, No for that. He is um, he is kind of our keeper of the flame on those. And I believe he did say he's going to put out a new one on Saturday after everything ends up on Friday.
2: And you've got that link in the recruiting chat as well.
0: Yep, always will. Well, guys, I really appreciate you uh, jumping on here with me. Um, I would encourage everybody to go check out the interview that Brian McFadden had with, uh, with the coaches earlier. That was a great recap, um, kind of replacing that traditional Jimbo Show we used to always get um, and, and as always, guys, I just have to say thank you to both of you. You constantly crush it and kill it and bring updates. And that's not going to change. We'll consistently have updates on Tomahawk Nation, on our social media, uh, on our site and the recruiting thread in the portal. And again, as soon as we know about it, we'll be sharing it with you. So, guys, thanks so much. Uh, another early signing period in the books. Thanks, Tim. All right. Thanks, Tim. Good talking with you boys. And on that note, that's a wrap.